We will be beginning a series the Sunday um, after Easter, and that series is going to be from the book of Colossians. And so if you'd like to read ahead, Colossians is a smaller book. We'll get through it in a lot less time than a, a year and two or three months is this what has taken us through Mark. Um, but I'm looking forward. Colossians has so much uh, in it for our church, um, and I'm excited for that. But we are doing a four-week mini-series mini between this Sunday and Easter Sunday. And we've called it Forgotten God. We 100% ripped that title uh, from a book by Francis Chan, uh, which is a great book. Used it just a little bit in my, in my study uh, for this. Um, but I think it's a really, really um, unique way of looking at the Holy Spirit. Or let me say this, our perspective of the Holy Spirit. We speak often of God the Father, Creator God, the one who loves us, Abba Father. And we rightly understand and we can somewhat wrap our minds around maybe the fact that there is someone, a, a higher power, right? There's someone much greater than us that is over all of us. And I think that we can wrap our minds possibly around that or we can attempt to. We obviously preach and teach about Jesus. We've spent 49, 50 uh, sermons in the book of Mark and it has been about Jesus. And we understand that. We, we understand as we um, celebrate different elements of his life, his Death and his burial, his resurrection, his miracles, all the things that he did. But for some reason, I feel like the Holy Spirit gets that third wheel. Uh, sometimes that back seat, if you say. And for some reason, us comprehending the realities and the truths of the Holy Spirit becomes very difficult. I'm going to say this to start out our series. That we should not be guilty of letting... Those who would take a doctrine, any doctrine in Scripture, to its bitter end, to an end that's not biblical, we should not allow that to deter us from finding out what is biblical. Can I say that? In light of the Holy Spirit, that's for any doctrine. We should not let the abuse, if you want to use that word, we should not let the abuse of a doctrine by some stop us or hinder us from finding, what the, finding out what the Bible says about that doctrine. There's going to be no snake handling. There's going to be no falling out on the floor. There's going to be no guy gets done preaching and pulls out a credit card swiper for you to give him money so he can heal you. Okay, there's going to be none of that. But may I say, may we not let that crowd and the prosperity gospel crowd that comes with that deter us from really looking at what the Bible really does say about the Holy Spirit. And so that's my goal this morning, uh, is in this series, Forgotten God, a reintroduction to the Holy Spirit. Today's sermon title is simply, A Reintroduction to the Holy Spirit. A Reintroduction to the Holy Spirit. By way of opening this morning, there are two, two great main manifestations of God for New Testament Christians. There are two ways that God manifests himself. One way is through his word. You're looking at it. God manifests himself through his word. If God wants us to know it, he wrote it down. It's in his word. Read it. You find things in this, in this book like what to do and what not to do. 
You find things in this book, things that are sinful and things that are not sinful. You find things that we have freedom and liberty in, and you find things that Jesus has asked us to not partake in. It's cut and dry. It's black and white and red for some of you, depending on the Bible that you have. What's black and white and red all over your Bible anyway? Stupid, stupid pastor and dad joke. I'm sorry. That used to be a newspaper, but now no one knows what a newspaper is. So, But God gave us his word. And may I just say this? The vast majority of information we need from God, we find in his word. So many people are looking and searching, what does God have, what does God have, what does God have? And a lot of times, what God has for your situation is clearly found in his word. What's right and what's wrong Clearly found in his word. But what about those other times, right? What about when we're not talking about right and wrong? What about when we're talking about right and right? What about when we're talking about good opportunity and good opportunity? What about when you're put in a moral conundrum by a friend or family member and you don't know what to do? What about when your boss who pays your salary asks you to do something and you're not quite sure it, it lines up with who you are and your morals and your beliefs? But what about when you have a family member that you love deeply ask you to do something that would go against what you would want to do? What about that point? See, not all things in this Bible are black and white. The Bible is black and white, but it does not cover everything in your life. The Bible does not tell you what to think politically. It informs some of the elements of your political thinking, or it should, but it does not tell you who to vote for. The Bible does not tell you how to specifically deal with narcotics. It doesn't tell you that. You can't open up and and find exactly what the Bible says about that. There's nowhere in the Bible that tells you many things. And so there are gray areas. And by the way, Can we as a church come to grips with that fact? There are gray areas. If you are a person that likes things black and white, the Bible is going to be difficult for you, and it's okay. Because there are gray areas in Scripture. In fact, there's an entire chapter in the book of Romans, chapter 14, that talks about gray areas and how we're supposed to treat other believers that may think one way about a gray area, and you may think a different way about a gray area. And guess what? We're supposed to get along. Inside of this church, there are people that think one thing about certain doctrinal things and other people that think another thing about certain doctrinal things. Guess what? We're supposed to get along. Okay? So can we come to grips this morning as we start this series that not everything in Scripture is plainly and clearly mapped out for you, OCD, so that you can go turn to page 74 in chapter 3 and find out what you're supposed to do on the third Thursday of the month of, the month of March. It's not there. Okay? So we, this morning, we are going to talk about the relationship a little bit that this book, God's Word, and the Bible, and, and the Holy Spirit have in common. His Word and His Spirit. In places where His Word is not clear, His Spirit longs to manifest Himself. In situations not yet experienced, Within the canonization of Scripture, roughly a hundred years after the birth of Christ, the Holy Spirit wants to work. But may I say this, 
And may we hear it loud and clear. The Holy Spirit will never lead us to do anything that would be contrary to something found in this book. May I say it again? The Holy Spirit will never lead us to do anything that would be contrary to what is found in this book. This book is foundational and our final authority. With that being said, as, as easily to read, per se, black and white here, we can read it, yes, no, in a lot of things. The Holy Spirit is unsearchable. The Holy Spirit is a mystery in a lot of ways. Francis Chan, in his book, Forgotten God, says it this way. It is ludicrous for anyone to say they're going to explain the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. If we were trying to take these four weeks and explain really who he is, I'm going to do my best job. But I promise you I will leave things undone. I promise you there are elements of his spirit that I will miss and that I will leave out. Hey, there's elements of his spirit that I may not have even experienced yet. There are elements of his spirit that I, that I, in my personal life that I may not have traveled in, down that road with yet. But let the fact that you cannot fully know him and know all of him, may that fact lead you to praise him for his infinite nature, not to shy away from him. May the fact that he is unsearchable and that he is uh, high above us and that we will not be able to place our finger directly on him, may that lead us to worship him. My goal in this series is not to confuse you. I promise you that. My goal in this series is not to push you away from the Holy Spirit. My goal is to draw you into a deep, intimate relationship with God and His Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, guide my words today. Guide my thoughts. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. A reintroduction to the Holy Spirit. Today is a foundational sermon. This will set the table for the rest of the series. Um, and by the way, we, this is a flyby series. If you're expecting in-depth, in-depth on this series, you're not going to get it. My goal is to... Uh, to awake your attention to the Holy Spirit. My goal is to create a thirst in your life for the Spirit to lead you. My goal in this series is that you would uh, finish the series and, and desire to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's my goal. My goal is not to give you an intensive study of every single thing that I've ever read or know about the Holy Spirit. We will be here for more than four weeks, I promise you. But I want us to see this first this morning as we jump in. His position of deity. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, let me reintroduce you. I thought about having, I was trying to uh, place the song. Allow me to reintroduce myself. I remember it was a Jay-Z song, and so I'm like, we can't do that. Uh, but anyway, that was going to be my title. But, uh, and Justin was like, man, I'll play it when you're walking up. I'm like, no, nah, dude, you can't be doing that. Uh, but uh, we're reintroducing ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We need to first see his position of deity. Job by the way, we're going to be all over the place. Here's what I'm going to let you do today. Man, I hate this. We're going to be in many, many different references of Scripture all throughout the Bible. When I preach topically, I try to soak it in Bible. So for today, I'm cool if you just want to watch the screen, okay? It's, every one of them is going to be up there. Trust me, I promise, okay? 
Job chapter 33 and verse 4. Notice what it says. It says, the Spirit of God has made me. This was a man speaking to Job. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The Spirit of God created, made me, it says. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us... Make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, cattle, earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You see, God uses the term, let us, plural, make man in our own image, body, soul, spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. In the book of Job, it says that the Spirit of God made him or created him. In the New Testament, we see in Acts chapter 4, you remember Ananias and Sapphira? God and the Holy Spirit are used interchangeably here. And I want you to catch this, okay? We're in in Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the, what does it say? Holy Spirit. You lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men but to... Verse 3, it says that you lied to, say it, Holy Spirit. Verse 4, it says you lied to, to God. Interchangeably used, very obvious in Acts chapter 5, God, who we would say would be God the Father, used interchangeably with the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we we, we don't have this on the screen, but... uh, In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, our bodies are referred to as the temple of God. In the same book, three chapters later in chapter 6, our bodies are said to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Paul in the same letter to the same church, in one chapter says your body is the temple of God. Three chapters later he says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Used interchangeably throughout the New Testament. In fact, if you look into the genre or, or the, the, uh, the, the Greek rendition of the word spirit, you will find the gender of the word to be neutral. I think it's pneumos. It is a neutral, it's not, a, it's not male nor female, but in John's gospel, John infers a masculine word when speaking of the spirit as it relates to Jesus, the God-man. He uses a masculine version of the word spirit as he's referring to Jesus. All of these references, and and I took you throughout Scripture here for this first point, but all of these references point us to one undeniable truth, and that is this. God, the Holy Spirit, is God. He possesses deity. He is as much God as God. He is as much God as Jesus Christ, our Savior. He is God. 
If you claim this morning to believe in Jesus Christ, if you claim this morning to believe in God, then this morning to stay consistent in your beliefs, you must also believe in God, the Holy Spirit. For they are three in one, and this is not a sermon on the Trinity today, but they are three in one. They are one and the same. It is deity. It is God Almighty. It is Jesus, it is Jesus who, who came wrapped in flesh incarnate. And it is the Spirit who now dwells. You see His deity. His deity this morning. And it is an important, it is an important fact. There are cults this morning. There are false religions this morning who believe in a Holy Spirit, but not a Holy Spirit with deity. Not a Holy Spirit that possesses all the attributes of God. And this morning it's important that we understand his deity. But secondly, I want us to see this morning his presence in conversion. We're reintroducing ourselves. We're laying a groundwork today for the Holy Spirit. Who is he? What's he all about? His presence in conversion. Okay? His presence in conversion. By conversion I mean the moment in your life where you pass from death to life, the moment in your life where you repent of your sins and you call upon the name of the Lord, He saves your soul, you profess it, you're a believer in Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus. However that looked like or happened in your life, that moment, that transition from darkness into light, that transition from, from, from death into life, the Holy Spirit was the difference. And I'm going to show you here in the scripture. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. He's speaking to believers. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. He says, listen, if you're a believer, you have the Spirit, and if you do not have the Spirit of God in you, then you are not his. You are not a son or a daughter of the King. You are not a believer in Jesus if the Spirit of Christ is not in you. If Christ is in you, verse 10, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. I just added these in here because they're awesome. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if the Spirit dwells in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead, God Almighty, will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Man, there's a lot there. We'll get to Romans one day. I can't wait for it. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not of Christ. His presence and conversion, that would mean that those that are in Christ, those who are followers of Jesus, have his Spirit. I'll show you even further. Same chapter, just a couple of verses down. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit, oh man, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I'm not going to spend tons of time here, but make that a mental note. Okay? Make that a mental note. Ephesians, His presence and conversion. He was there. It is He 
who indwells you when you uh, give your life to Jesus, when you give your heart to Christ, when you have a salvation experience with Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, in Him, Jesus, He's speaking of, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. The Holy Spirit is the indwelling agent of the presence of God. Look at it this way. From the beginning of time, Adam and Eve in the garden, everything was perfect. What would happen every day in the evening? You remember? What would happen? Who would come down? God. What would God do? He would walk with them. He just fellowship with them. God would come down in the evenings, walk with them. What happened in Genesis chapter 3? Sin. Sin. You remember God came down in the cool of the day to walk with Adam and Eve, and they were nowhere to be found. By God. Isn't that funny? That's what they thought. Adam! They were hiding. From the very beginning of time, God wanted to dwell. His presence wanted to be with his people. Sin takes that away. We see the institution of the Ark of the Covenant. We see, well, first of all, we see God establish who his people are in Abraham. We see the institution of the Ark of the Covenant. We see the tabernacle. We have the temple that's built by Solomon. The tent of meeting, the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, the temple. What were all those places? It's where the presence of God would be. Children of Israel, pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day. What was that? It was the presence of God. The presence of God, God wanted his presence with his people from the very beginning. And he did it through these means. He physically came down and walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And after sin ruined that, he then made a way through the tent of meeting, the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, and the temple. All throughout the Old Testament, you see, those, that was the place, the Holy of Holies, once a year, the Day of Atonement. All these things we've been talking about a little bit. It was for the presence of God to be with his people. And then what happened? We, we actually studied it in Mark chapter 13. It was a difficult passage to study. But Jesus talks about the destruction of the temple. In 70 AD, it was not Solomon's temple, Zerubbabel's temple that was rebuilt, Ezra and Nehemiah. Sorry, we've been going through this Bible thing in the connect group. It's got me rolling, man. Sorry. Got my mind rolling. But here's what happened. 70 years after the birth of Christ, the temple is gone. And Jesus warns his disciples that the temple is going to be destroyed. And what did that lead to, folks? His ascension. And what happened to his ascension? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and were thrust right from the Gospels right into the book of Acts. So this morning may we understand that God has always from the beginning of time wanted His presence to be with His people. And the way that His presence is with His people in 2020 in the New Testament is through God's Holy Spirit this morning. That is the way, if you are a believer in Jesus, that is the way God's presence is with you, is through His Spirit. The book of Colossians is going to open our eyes even more to really what happened there. As our old nature was 
was mortified, was killed, was destroyed, and the Spirit of Christ dwells within us. I'm not going to go there this morning, but all I can say is this. We went from this. God the Father, Adam and Eve, tent of meeting, tabernacle, ark of the covenant, temple. For 33 and a half years, we actually had Jesus physically alive on this earth. And then it was the Holy Spirit. Period. And that is who we are left with. It's God's Holy Spirit. When we come to faith in Christ, the agent of His presence, the Holy Spirit, comes inside of your heart and your life and desires to live His life through you. Since the Holy Spirit dwells in the followers of Jesus, they can personally encounter His Spirit and a transcendent God in a very intimate way. We have full access to God through His Spirit if we're a follower of Jesus. That's incredible this morning. And I'm going to repeat it. That you this morning have full access to God in your heart and in your spirit through the Holy Spirit. He is not hiding anything from you. You have full access to Him. The veil has been torn. You can enter in. The Holy Spirit. So this, this morning we have seen, once again, foundation this morning. We have seen his position of deity, that he is God. We have seen that his presence is in conversion. Everybody still with me? He's God. And when we get saved, when we're a believer, his spirit lives in us. That's where we're at right now. Everybody good so far? All right. Thirdly, I want us to see this this morning. His purpose in the believer. His purpose in the believer. Certainly, the Holy Spirit, there are many purposes of the Holy Spirit. Certainly, this is the one area this morning where I'm not even going to come close to scratching the service on all of the purposes of the Holy Spirit. I do think it's pretty awesome that Jesus himself said that when I leave, you're going to do greater things than when I was here. I think it's pretty incredible that he says that there are going to be things we've never seen before. And, and, and the gospel is going to spread like it had never before by the Holy Spirit coming. And by the way, it has. The gospel with, even if you think about the last 25 years, with technological advances, it's, a lot, it's becoming more and more difficult to find uh, those who have zero access because of the internet. And if you have access to the internet, many people have access. And I'm not, that's not an excuse for us not going. Uh, we, we support and we have uh, highly invested in rural areas and uh, people who have never heard the name of Jesus. And they do still exist but may I say that we have gotten the gospel to the ends of the world after Jesus went away. But what are the purposes of the believer this morning? First, I want us to see this is to testify of Jesus. It's to testify of Jesus. John chapter 15 and verse 26. When the helper comes, it's the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe depending on where you're reading, it may say comforter. When the helper comes... Whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, Jesus says, He will testify of me. He will testify of me. The Spirit does not operate in isolation. The Holy Spirit of God, and listen to me very carefully, the Holy Spirit of God will draw you closer to Jesus and will draw you closer to God the Father. 
Jesus said his purpose was to testify of Jesus. And may I give you just a word of warning this morning. Be very careful about those who find themselves speaking so often of the Spirit and not often of Jesus. May I say that this morning and may we understand and may we listen to that. Because the Holy Spirit's role and one of His main purposes is to testify of Jesus. He, he renews you in His Spirit and the new life in Christ. He sustains you to one day be with God the Father in glory. The Holy Spirit is not about Himself. The Holy Spirit is about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is about God the Father this morning. He is here to testify of Jesus. And I love that because the Holy Spirit does that in our lives. We will listen to Him. He will recall what Jesus has done in our lives. He will recall to our minds the things that, that we should be worshiping Jesus, the attributes of God that we should be worshiping Him for. He testifies of the others. But He's not just here to testify of Jesus. He's here to convict the world. To convict the world. John chapter 16 and verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, Jesus says, that I go away. It's going to be better for you that I leave. Wait a minute, Jesus. No, no, wait. Certainly that's not the case. Stay with us. No, it's going to be to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, what's he going to do? What's one of his purposes? He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. By the way, the Holy Spirit convicts believers and non-believers in these three areas. If you've never been convicted of your sin... If you've never felt conviction toward righteousness, and if you've never, let's be honest, if you've never thought a little bit about the, con the conviction of judgment, you say we're a judgment-free zone. We are a judgment-free zone. What I'm saying is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to convict people that there is ultimately a price that's paid for those who go unrepentant in their sin. That feeling that you get when you know you should do something? Convict. It's convicting you of righteousness. Today you may get in your car and you may, or you may walk to your car today and uh, Matthew, uh, I believe that's his name, Matthew, the homeless guy that lives in this park. You may see him walking and the Holy Spirit convicts you or tells you to do something. Holy Spirit. If you, like me, you see people in need, you see a family struggling, and so often God's Holy Spirit will just whisper to me, help them. Help them. It's not always money. Sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it's, a, it's, a, it's a, uh, grabbing a bite to eat. Sometimes it's, um, uh, Mark, sometimes grabbing a water. I saw Mark the other day, I don't like coffee. He questioned my salvation. But, um... I'm a water drinker, so if y'all want to go to Starbucks, they got great water. Um, but uh, I'll drink a water. 
No, it may not be giving money to somebody. It may be, hey, I, listen, I, how, 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 can I help, how can I help you? Is there anything I can do for you? It's those convicting nudges. How about this? Have you ever been convicted or nudged about something that you should not do? Man, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my mind, the way that I'm wired, I concentrate really, really hard on those. I'm not supposed to do that. Maybe it was the way I was raised. I'm not supposed to do that. But you know what? The Holy Spirit does tell you that. As a parent, he tells me all the time, I will say something to my kids or I'll make a decision. And I'm like, I should not have done that. Or as we are preparing to make a decision for our, our family and for our children, hopefully, thankfully sometimes, I don't think we ought to do that. He convicts. He convicts of, of good things. This is what you ought to do. See that family over there on the other side of the church? You've never introduced yourself to them. You know what? They're discouraged. Why don't you go over there and just speak a kind word to them? Introduce yourself. Exchange phone numbers. Go to lunch together. That's the Holy Spirit this morning. Convicting us to do right. Convicting us when we are doing wrong. That is the Holy Spirit at work in your life as a believer. And may I say this, not to confuse you nor to make you doubt. But if you never experience the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, if you've never experienced that, if you've never had God's Holy Spirit prompt you to do something or not to do something, then there's a red flag that you need to deal with, I believe, spiritually in your life. Oftentimes, because I dealt with this as a teenager, growing up in a pastor's home and in church, I dealt with uh, assurance of my salvation, whether or not Jesus truly was my Savior. And looking back on it now, it's because I was really raised in like a, a prayer culture like say this prayer and we don't necessarily teach that here but may I say this I was raised in that and I was scared to death I mean it was like I was like living in a left behind series you know in my own life um, I was psycho I was crazy but at the end of the day the Holy Spirit was nudging me and the Holy Spirit was convicting me. And the Holy Spirit was pulling me and, and tugging on me. And may I say this, if you struggle today and you're like, man, I'm not really sure. If the Holy Spirit is drawing these things and, and calling these things to your mind and to your heart, may you rest in that comfort that God's Holy Spirit is talking to you and speaking to you and he's with you. And Ephesians chapter 1, we read that a little bit earlier. That tells you that's your, that's your down payment for heaven. That's your guarantee for heaven is the Holy Spirit. He's here to convict the world. May I say this morning, if you've not experienced or felt his conviction, whether positively to righteousness or negatively away from sin this morning, maybe, maybe your action point today is, God, would you please speak to me again like you used to? Holy Spirit, would I, can I open myself up maybe where I've closed myself off? May I tune my ear and my heart to listen to your words of instruction? May I not just bounce out of church today and bounce over to my car and hop in and take off. May, sorry. May I, may I slow down a little bit? May I look around a little bit? May I listen? There's a, maybe I have little kids and maybe there's a family over there with their little kid on a swing. Maybe I can just go over and say hello, maybe introduce our kids. Man, I'm at a restaurant, you know, I hear a family sitting behind me and they're talking about 
you know how maybe dad's, you know, they're doing layoffs at dad's work and he's not really sure what's going on. Hey, hey, can I get the bill of that family behind me? Would you let me take care of that? Maybe you see someone today and after church they don't want to stick around. You see them kind of walk out, downtrodden, shoulders down. Maybe you walk and catch them on the sidewalk and say, hey, listen, before you left today, I just want to let you know. Hey, I, I appreciate you. I don't, know, I don't know you that well, but I want to let you know I'm praying for you. Stop traffic. You see, the Holy Spirit, in a very real and practical way, he leads us to do these things. He guides us to do these things. To convict the world. Two more, he teaches and reminds us. He teaches us and he reminds us in John chapter 14, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Thank goodness. Terrible learner. But Jesus tells us that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit will be to teach or to instruct or to guide us. To lead us. Josh, I've got a, a job opportunity. My job's pretty good. I enjoy it. I don't know if it's my forever job, but I've got an opportunity. I've had someone reach out to me. Going through preliminary talks right now, I don't know what to do about my job. Here's a good situation. And here's a good situation. I hate to tell you this, folks. I'm not going to give you that answer. Ain't my paycheck. I don't have to deal with my boss or my new boss or my old boss or the people I work with. I'm not God. Now, I'll pray with you. I'll open up God's word and we'll read his word together about how the spirit leads us and guides us and instructs us. But you know what ultimately what, I'm, what, what my job as your pastor to do in that situation? Hey, let's get a hold of God. Let's ask him to make it very clear what we ought to do. Now, that's a whole other day for us to talk about how he does that. He does it, confirms it through other people. He confirms it through his word. He'll sometimes, he'll sometimes work through, uh, through circumstances that happen. Uh, he'll, he'll sometimes work through... Um, I had, I had a guy call me two weeks ago about a dream that he had about a person that I know. And he's like, I just want to tell you about this just so that you're aware in case anything were to, uh, if that ever were to come true, you can document that I said something to you about that. I'm like, all right, cool, man. Um, but he speaks, right? And he confirms things. But it's your job to find out what the Holy Spirit wants you to do when you're choosing from good and good or good and better or right and right. He will lead you he will teach you, and then he will help you recall things. I firmly believe that he helps you recall things from his word. I believe as you're reading in God's word, if you will commit to reading in God's word, if you will commit to chronological reading uh, through God's word, you're in Deuteronomy right now, which means you are truly committed to God's word. But he will draw things out in your memory for you to remember. He teaches us. He's our instructor. He is our teacher. 
Maybe we should begin our Bible study each day. If we, the days that we read our Bible, which I hope is, is every day, and if it's not in your life, I want to encourage you to just one verse to read every day in this book. But maybe we should start our Bible time with Holy Spirit, teach me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Holy Spirit, remind me. Help me to remember. Recall the things to my mind that would help me understand what your word is saying. See, the Holy Spirit, He teaches us, He reminds us. And I love this. This is, this is our last purpose that we're going to take care of today. Is that He intercedes for us. He intercedes for us in Romans, in chapter number 8. We've been there, this is the third time we're back in Romans 8, by the way. One of the greatest chapters of the Bible. But likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. When we don't know what to do. When we are weak. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Have you ever been there? I'm not not like a a mommy Instagrammer. I'm a daddy Instagrammer. Uh, But uh, you ever seen those things on Instagram that says, Dear God, and then all the letters are scrambled up? And it says, Amen. You ever seen that before? You ever been there? Like, God, I'm coming to you, and I know that I ought to know what I need. I know, what I, I know that I should have this God Almighty, Omnipotent One, forever faithful from beginning to end. And I ought to be, I ought to be, but I'm not. I don't even know what to say. I'm just here. I'm weak. In our weaknesses, the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. With groanings which cannot be uttered. I, I'll be honest with you. This does not happen on a regular basis with me. But there have been numerous times in my life where I've gone into a, a time of prayer. Whether it be when I wake up in the middle of the night. That's oftentimes when it happens for me. And I'll, be, and I'll be, dear God, and my mind can't formulate and my heart can't formulate. And I don't know how long it is. It could be two minutes. It could be 20 minutes. And I'm done. And literally, I don't even speak. Now, he who searches the hearts, verse 27, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This isn't spooky. This is a a recognition and an acknowledgement that God's Holy Spirit knows us Completely. He fully knows us. There are times when we do not know what to pray, don't know what to say, and we come before the Lord and the Holy Spirit steps in. He intercedes, the word, the the, the Bible word. He comes between a weak me and a holy God. And he says, God, your, your son here. He's struggling. God, he, he doesn't know what to do as a husband. He doesn't know what to do. Amen. He doesn't know what to do as a father. God knows he doesn't know what to do as a pastor. God, he's about to send an email out to 450 people. <laughs> Only 125 of them come to church. The rest of them have never been or they've moved or they go to some other church. Help this dude. You ever felt 
You never felt that way. I have. He doesn't know what to say. But God, would you do this for him? He doesn't know it, God. But Tuesday afternoon, he's going to get some, some bad news from a friend. I hope that really doesn't happen. God, he's not going to know what to say or what to do or how to help. But God, would you, I'm coming to you on his behalf. That's what Holy Spirit intercession looks like. When we don't know, he knows. When we don't have a clue of what to say or even what we need, he knows. He knows. He is there. He intercedes for us. He steps in on our behalf. By the way, there are many, many other purposes of the Holy Spirit this morning. He brings peace that passes all understanding. He comforts us. He seals us. This is the, way, the reason that I firmly believe that once you are truly in Christ, and you have become a follower of Jesus, that you can never leave his grasp because of the Holy Spirit. We could spend so much time going through many of these other things this morning. But I wanted to reintroduce us to the Holy Spirit. I wanted to reintroduce you to the Holy Spirit if you're a believer that lives inside of you. I wanted to reintroduce myself to the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of me. He has taken residency in your heart and life. Permanent residency in your heart and life. And you may ignore him and you may have ignored him and you may have uh, turned his volume down and you may have even uh, tried to mute him but you can't do it this morning because he's there he's there and you have a hundred percent access to him and to all that he is this holy spirit can bring you to a spiritual high in worship when you're worshiping Jesus and your hands are raised in worship, he can also sit you down and gently guide you in reverence as you bow your knee and cry out, Holy is the Lord. He can empower you to boldly speak the name of Christ to an unbelieving co-worker or an unbelieving neighbor or friend or family member. And he can also quietly convict you to stop your divisive speech. He can show you a person that's in need of a blessing or of an encouraging word this morning, but he can also sustain you when you are the one that needs a blessing and needs the encouraging word this morning. The same Holy Spirit of God that can make you stand up and shout can make you sit down and shut up. He's God. He's God in spirit form. And he dwells and lives inside of you. Today's been Bible study-ish. I understand. But 24-7, 365 days of the year, God's presence dwells in you. If I'm honest, a lot of the times... I live as if that's not even true in my life. I'll go out in public, out in the community, out in the area, and I'll be so focused on what I need to get done and what I need to do, making sure I'm where I need to be to pick up my girls at this, drop my girls off here. Who are we meeting tonight? What are we doing tonight? Is anything on the calendar? 
oh, that's right. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I almost forgot. We're going to talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit, if he's in there, what, what, what shows? We're going to talk about that. That's going to be convicting. Get ready. It's going to be convicting to me. I know that. We're going to talk about how he gifts us uniquely and how he gifts some people with certain gifts uniquely to them and others gifts uniquely to them. Obviously, just in those two things, we only have three more weeks, so we're obviously not doing deep dives into either one of those. We're going to talk about it. But at the end of the day, my purpose today was to just for you to wake up tomorrow and go, Holy Spirit, i got to go to work again today. And my, my kids are woke up 30 minutes late, and they're having a bad day, and my boss is a jerk. And I work from home, so my coworker's a jerk. I'm just kidding. <laughs> my dog used the bathroom on the floor again. Thankfully, we're past that stage. And oh, by the way, gas prices just went up another 30 cents overnight. Even Costco is expensive. I don't know what I'm going to do with this or that. Holy Spirit, start your day with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to conclude the four weeks with this. Don't sit down with the Holy Spirit. Get up and move on with your day. Walk. Walk with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. May He be a part of your sun up to your sundown. May he be a part of work, leisure. May he be a part of church, home. It's the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the Holy Spirit. I didn't scream and yell today. We didn't do anything spooky. I didn't even have uh, pads playing behind me to try to bring on his presence, right? You see the Babylon B article? Holy Spirit unable to move. This is one of the first ones ever. Holy Spirit unable to move in church service because fog machine broke. All right, but uh, he really wanted to be there. Now, nothing spooky, nothing silly. Reality today, guys. Reality that if you're a believer in Jesus, God's Holy Spirit dwells in you, and he wants to do some things in your heart and life. And will we become more sensitive to that? That's my question today. Can we as a church become more sensitive to that? Hey, if Chris needs something, me and Chris, we text often. If Chris, Chris needs something, can I just, can I just, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. If Nicole needs something, maybe Nicole's, maybe Nicole, maybe she doesn't text me. If Nicole needs something, may I, may the Spirit just prompt me. Hey, just send that text. Just send that text. Last sentence. And may every prompting of the Holy Spirit be obeyed. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. 
If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.